This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Today we are celebrating our 100th episode. Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better when we have to live together. We can all use a little help. Some people don't ask themselves. Were you raised by wolves? Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonima. And let's just get right down to it with our 100th episode. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. So for this episode, we wanted to go down memory lane and revisit some of our favorite segments. I really had a good time. To our listeners at home, we were trying to pick which one should we pull. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really a blast to go back and like remember things that I actually don't remember at all. <laughs> and, like there was definitely moments where like, oh, that was really funny. So it was hard to choose though. Did you find it difficult? I did find it very difficult. I, I was like listening to our different choices. I went out for a walk mm. since I feel like when I do my best listening and I often hate hearing my own voice. Um, oh, but I found- imagine how I feel having edited all of these episodes. <laughs> I love hearing your voice, but I hear myself and I'm like, what? <laughs> but I, I didn't, I actually giggled like through so many that I was like, am I, g-? I was just like walking, giggling. I was like that person with the earphones, just like, <laughs> it was really fun. So for the moose-boosh, it was definitely hard to choose. I mean, there was corn on the cob. There was answering the telephone. But I think this one checked all the boxes for me. It's Japanese, which I love. I was virtually guaranteed that you had no idea what it was, which I also love. And it has to do with the bathroom, which I think (laughs) hits your sweet spot. (laughs) I love that. I wanted to be like, that's not true, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. After 100 episodes, I think I know what you're into. I also, one of the things I really enjoyed about this one is I think it's also a a big push. Everybody gets to find out what Nick wants for Christmas. Oh, yes. I'm still waiting for that (laughs) next one, everybody. So without further ado, Otohime, tanoshinde kudasai. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah. And let's just get right down to it with our moose-boosh. Oh, let's get in it. (laughs) So for those at home who don't know, Leah has no idea what these are. And I do take special pleasure in trying to find a moose-bouches that she has never heard of. So for today, I want to talk about otohime. Do you know what this is? No. Okay. (laughs) So... 
Wonderful. I already knew I wasn't going to know. And then I was just like, no, I don't know. So otohime. So this is a thing that is found in women's restrooms throughout Japan. And so here's a little background. It is said that some Japanese women feel embarrassed making noise using the bathroom. And this embarrassment is not necessarily even just for them. It's for other people in the room with them. And so because of this, what was happening is that women would flush the toilet throughout their entire time in the stall over and over. And this, of course, wastes a huge amount of water. I mean, gallons and gallons of water. And so in the late 70s, in the city of Fukuoka, there was a drought. And they did this public education campaign, which was like, maybe we shouldn't waste water, everybody. But it didn't work. And women were still just flushing over and over and over and over and wasting a huge amount of water. And so, of course, necessity is the mother of invention. (laughs) And so the Toto Corporation, which maybe you're familiar with, they're like the first name in Japanese toilets. And if anybody has $10,000, I would really love a Toto NX1 toilet. It's like the top of the line. Toto, it's like the best Toto you can buy. I would really love one in my home. Sidebar. Anyway, the Toto Corporation, they invented this thing called Otohime, which literally translates as sound princess. And so what this is, is a little device that is in the stall and it has a button and you push the button and it makes flushing sounds. That's the whole thing. <laughs> That's what it does. And now they're actually motion activated. So you don't have to touch the button. You can just like wave your hand in front of it. And it'll just make a whooshing, flushing sound for maybe 25 seconds. uh, And then you can push it again and have another 25 seconds. And so this was invented. And this really solved this water wasting problem. And now they have portable ones that you can like keep in your purse, you know, in case you happen to be in a public restroom that doesn't have an Otohibe. And now there's actually an iPhone app too, um, which I just downloaded, which is kind of fun. And so if you're ever in a Japanese restroom and you see like this little device that looks like a building intercom with like a speaker and a button, this is what this is. So you can push it and you can make a flushing sound. I wish our uh, friends at home could see my face because (laughs) I am grinning ear to ear. This is phenomenal. And I would love this in restrooms everywhere. So would it be weird if you had a portable one in an American restroom and other people were not expecting electronic flushing sounds to be coming out of your stall? I've been in restrooms where people are just constantly flushing. Like this is, this happens. So I would assume that people would just think that I was constantly flushing. They wouldn't jump to, oh, she has one of those electronic flushers. (laughs) Oh, it must be a sound princess. And it should be noted that men also feel embarrassed too. They did like some survey and like a significant number of Japanese men also felt this. But this device is more commonly found in women's restrooms in Japan. So there you have it. What a delight. Otohime. How cool is that? (laughs) I also love knowing that that's a thing that you want, this toilet, because I have a running list of things that Nick has said he liked. Oh. You know, because... Christmas is coming. Yeah, one never knows when one will be in a place where something might show up. Yeah, no, an X1 toilet. I would really enjoy that. Yeah. (laughs) And we're back. And this is the part of the show where we go deep in some topic. Also, we're like, how are we going to pick our hundredth episode deep dive celebration topic? We have covered so much ground. There has been ghosting, 
There's been drive-throughs. I mean, there's just been so many topics. There's been email closings. Yes. Guinea pig kisses. Guinea pig kisses. But I think for me, what I like about this segment we have selected is where we kind of go. We kind of go on a full journey through information that's useful. An insane story about redecorating. And yes. then uh, crime scenes. And then it goes into a murder mystery. It really gives you the full breadth of the Nick and Lee experience. I also, there's like one little, I think it could be easily, because it's just a quick thing you say. And I wrote it down because I loved it so much. Oh. It was the concept of, you said, whatever makes that person whole. Oh. When you were talking. And I was like, you know, that's just such a lovely way to say that. Sure. That's also a very legal term. Is it? <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. If somebody's done you wrong, they need to make you whole, which usually involves giving you money. Yeah, that's a very legal thing, but it also works in etiquette. It also works just emotionally. <laughs> so we got a great question from the wilderness, which is, quote, what is the protocol when asking a friend to house it? In this instance, I'm asking about someone actually staying at your house and doing some basic things like getting the mail and taking care of the cat. If your home offers your friend more space and amenities than where they live, for example, it's a single family home with a pool versus a small apartment, is it considered a trade since they are enjoying upgraded digs while also doing you a favor? Or should there be compensation regardless, or at least offered? And how to handle the conversation of which bedroom to offer them, presuming a guest bedroom is available. There's something that weirds me out thinking about anyone other than me or my husband sleeping in our bed and using our bathroom. But I feel strange not offering the best accommodations to someone who is watching the house for us. I think a gift is appropriate for anyone who watches the house, friend or family. But compensation? I think right off the top, the easiest part of that question is... No problem putting them in the guest bedroom. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, I feel like that's fine. As long as your guest bedroom is comfortable. You know, if you've just got a, a metal cot with no mattress in there. Yeah, if it's like a bed of nails, and <laughs> yeah. then I think maybe find it another space for them. But I think otherwise, not a problem. Yeah, if your guest room is uh, lovely, that's no problem. Yeah. I also personally would rather sleep in a guest bedroom because I don't want to feel like I'm being invasive in any way. I can see that. Yeah, I can see how being in like the inner sanctum can feel a little intimate. I think guest bedroom, lovely. Yeah, okay, so that aside. You take that right off the top. So my first thought is, in friendship, the currency that we talk about is reciprocation, not cold hard cash. Like, if you invite me over for dinner, I'm not gonna slip you a $100 bill at the end of the night. Like, that's not what we do as friends. And so I think for asking a friend to house it for you, I mean, that's sort of part of friendship. And so I don't think we necessarily do like cold hard cash. I don't think we want our friend to be out money. So like if it will cost them to do this favor for you, like a lot of gas trying to drive to your house or somehow they've lost money doing something else for you, like you should definitely make them whole. But I don't think we necessarily pay them for this service. Well, I also think it depends on is this somehow more of an inconvenience? Is it farther from their job? You know what I right. mean? Is it? So in those things, I think it could be, I think the word compensate is a nice word. Can you stay here? You know, I'm happy to throw in this much for your troubles because I know it's out of your way. Right. All of that. But I guess if it's an acquaintance and less of a close friend, then somehow compensation sort of makes more sense the more remote the relationship is. Like the closer the friend, the less likely you would give them cold hard cash. And then the less of a friend they are, maybe you would toss them some cash for their troubles. Yeah, because it's more of a job. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then I think if we start thinking that like, oh, because I have a pool, 
they really should be paying me for an upgraded experience that is so much better than their normal life. <laughs> I don't think we want to go down that road. And so like, just because your home might be nicer, it's not like you're really doing me a favor by allowing me to experience it for three days. I think if say it was in another city and you knew that that friend wanted to visit that city, but it would save them money on a hotel, then and that's also a nice exchange. Oh, hey, I'm going to be out of town. I knew you wanted to come here. Do you want to stay? You know, so you don't have to have a hotel and can you take care of my cat? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I guess in thinking about like how it should go down then, some do's and don'ts come to mind. I guess the first thing that comes to mind is like, we should set very clear expectations for how this should work. Both sides should like understand like what is expected of them. So like, what exactly do you want me to do when I'm house sitting? And what are the do's and don'ts? And I wrote that, I wrote that, just ask what's okay, exclamation point. At the beginning, like at the beginning, everybody should go over it. Right, yeah. So like if it's about taking care of pets, like are they allowed to go off their diet? Or what are the rules? Or can I eat the stuff in the fridge? Or whatever. So I think, yeah, definitely making all that clear way up top is very useful. Yeah, I think go through the whole list, especially because also I was thinking sometimes when people are out of town, uh, like say you broke something, they may not want to know while they're out of town. They may be like, I'm very out of town. Oh, interesting. So try to go over everything before people leave. I mean, what is that conversation? If I damage something in your house, would you like me to tell you or would you like me to wait? No, not that, not that question. <laughs> that was separate. I was just saying that because inevitably, you know what I mean? But it things like that, it's like, does this person want to be contacted or not contacted? Yes, I think definitely having some sort of conversation about how much checking in do we want to be doing? Yeah. Like if you're taking care of my house and you're not taking care of any of my pets, so it's just about like bringing in the mail, watering the plants, uh, making sure that it doesn't burn down. I don't probably need daily check-ins from you. Just like contact me if something has gone wrong and you need me. Otherwise, like see you when I get back. Yeah. But if you are taking care of my pet, I probably want more frequent updates on that. Maybe a few pictures. Definitely want video. Maybe some live FaceTiming. Yeah. <laughs> you guys snuggling on the that. couch. I want to see it. I want to see it. And I don't think we have wild parties or any parties. And I think you definitely don't want to invite anybody over without permission at all. It's like not even a friend to watch the game. I think you should ask for permission. Yeah, but I, I do think that if you're like, oh, hey, I always watch the game on whatever, depending on what you like to watch, what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I have a friend over? It'll just be one person. Right. And obviously, yes should be the answer. Yes. But you definitely need to ask because if the person finds out that you had someone in your house and they didn't know about it, that does feel like a violation and they will find out about it and they will not like that. Right. So don't do that. And don't redecorate. And I mention this because in the Hamptons, where I've spent a lot of time covering that world, there was a story once where people would come back in the spring after like leaving their houses all winter long, and they would come back to discover that someone had broken in, didn't steal anything, but rearranged all the furniture. What? And rehung pictures. Yes. And so it ended up looking better usually most of the time. And so most people just actually kept it uh, the new way. But this was a thing that happened several times uh, or so the, the stories have gone. The people broke in to redecorate? Well, no one locks their houses in the Hamptons. That's one dirty secret. Oh my goodness. I'm getting a ticket right now. <laughs> but yeah, broke into people's houses on Gin Lane, rearranged the living room furniture, put the couch on the other wall, put the TV somewhere else. And then you walk in after four months and you see your living room like totally different. So I think the same rule applies <laughs> if you're a house guest. Don't redecorate. They like their furniture where it is, so just like leave it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's, 
I mean, a lot to take in. Yeah. Never would occur to me to like redecorate. You call your friend. Hey, I know you're out of town, but I just wanted to let you know that your painting would probably look better on the other wall. What do you think about me moving it? Or I just moved it. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you it looks better. Yeah. <laughs> other things on my list. Don't go snooping. Don't do it. Don't go through their stuff. Yeah. I mean, I never have. I actually don't have interest. It makes me feel bad. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. Also, what am I going to find? Would it be shocking? Probably not. I mean, if I was like down in the cellar looking for a shovel because they asked me to like fix a garden or whatever, and I saw like a foot sticking out, I would absolutely (laughs) have to look because it's a murder mystery. But barring that- You would look? If you saw a foot, Um, I would be like, I got to get out of this house. I feel like I would run. I don't think I would want to get closer. Oh, I would have to look. And then I would run. And then I'd be like, I would call my friend and be like, you have a foot in your basement. I mean, I feel like they know. I would somehow convince myself that they didn't know. I see. I guess I would have to call the police first. I'm going to have to work this out in case it happens. (laughs) Um, I feel like your first phone call is to the police- I mean, it depends on the friendship I have. Is this your ride or die friend? Oh. You want it, You need to know the story first? You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yo, please explain the, the foot in your basement. <laughs> if you could explain before. this <laughs> to my full, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. That's friendship. <laughs> One thing also on my list is I was once house-sitting for friends in Los Angeles who are like, impeccable taste and their house is beautiful and it's a one bedroom. So I was in their bed and their bed had 9,000 pillows, Mm. all different types of patterns. And their taste is such that like, it feels like, oh, this is just spontaneous, but you know that there is a special order in which all of this works. Like obviously this pillow goes next to this one and this size and all that. But no joke, there probably were like 25 pillows. Oh, wow. So what I did is I photographed the bed from all different angles before I got into it so that when I left, I was able to have a reference for exactly how all the pillows should be put back. And so I made sure it was like precise to the millimeter. I mean, you, of course, as always, phenomenal. So I do recommend photographing any areas of the house that you do need to put back the way you found them. I think it's a great idea. I would probably sleep. I would probably sleep on the floor. I'd see it. I'd have a panic attack. I'd sleep on the floor. <laughs> You're like, oh, I can't. I can't, I touch, can't it. touch it. And then at the end, I think you might want to do something nice for the person when they come back. So I don't know, some flowers or, you know, fresh milk and coffee or something just, you know, on your way out the door. I think that's very nice. I also think that it depends on how much of a favor you're doing them. I mean, you have this pool, so, you know, huge favor. A lot of times people would rather stay in their own house regardless. So depending on who's doing who the bigger favor is who leaves Mm. it. I mean, it's always nice to leave fresh milk and, but... It may be the other way around. Yeah, I guess who owes whom in this instance, right? Who's who's in debt? I mean, it's always just nice to do nice things, but I think if you're doing them a favor... Yeah, just leave it the way you found it and then you know try not to break anything. And if you do, just let them know. Let them know and offer to fix it. There you are. And I guess don't leave anything very murder mystery in the basement because then your friend's going to be in a conundrum. Yeah, because if you don't let them know about the foot <laughs> and then they come home and they find the foot, they're going to think you're responsible and who needs that? Oh, I didn't even think of that layer. Right? Then you'd have to be like, oh no, I didn't bring it up because I thought it was you and then I was trying to have your back. And then your friend's like, oh, you thought I murdered someone and you were just going to go along with it. And then it's a whole thing. Ugh, story of my life. <laughs> Nick was like, I took a picture of the foot exactly where I found it. So yeah. in case I moved it, I could put it back exactly the same. That's how I roll. <laughs> so Leah, have you had any further thought about what you would do 
Would you call the friend or the police first? I actually believe there are three options, which I want to make clear. Okay. One is that something happened that they were unaware of, and that's when you want to involve authorities. Sure. Two, your friend did something, and that's why you got to call your friend first to be like, are we hiding this together? Because I assume they mm-hmm. had a very good reason, and they're your very close friend. Right. So you want to be supportive. The third option is that your friend is setting you up. because they are getting you back for something or they were never a good friend. They're like living under a different name. They're setting you up for something. They're going to come back and be like, while I was gone. So that's why you have to check it out immediately and figure out which circumstance this is. Oh, that's, oh yeah. Come over and house guest while I'm out of town. Yes. Do me a favor. Yeah. Hmm. And then all of a sudden you're taking the rap. Wow. I've read a lot of mystery books and people get (laughs) set up by people they love. Diabolical. Diabolical. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors. You get new patterns. You recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklyn actually has fresh linen and it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. And we're back. And this is the part of the show where we take questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! So this was really hard to try and find the most fun favorite of these insane questions that we get. Oh, it was so, it was, there were so many. And so to narrow them down. Yeah. I mean, over a hundred episodes, we have covered a lot of questions. A lot of great, amazing questions. All of them are great. Yeah. I I, I would not be able to pick like my most favorite, but I was able to pick a few of uh, the, the standouts. I think that we definitely did a nice sprinkle of what I'd like to call the, um, I need a moment questions. The what happened <laughs> right. here questions. Mm-hmm. And then questions that were like really interesting. They're all very interesting, but like, how do we handle this? Like some of the ones were just shocked. 
Yes, all the emotions are covered here. Yes, yes. we're trying Shock, to get a range. Surprise, <laughs> rage, disbelief. Yes. Yeah, no, we, all of those emotions are fully represented. So we're also just going to play them one right after another. We're not going to interrupt the magic. So we'll see you after the musical break. Hope you enjoy. Our next question, also about children. This one is good. Unbelievable. I was actually on the floor with Listeners this at home, if you're driving, stop driving because this is what you're going to have to pull over and deep breathe. I'm a parent and have a sticky situation with another parent in our close friend group. Our children are the same age and often interact with each other at school and neighborhood gatherings. My child often extends invitations to my friend's child, which he happily accepts, but doesn't reciprocate. We've come to accept this and are not forcing a friendship that doesn't come naturally. However, my friend's child has an elaborate destination birthday celebration coming up. Destination birthday celebration. Destination's birthday celebration coming up, for which I was asked to co-chaperone and assist with transportation. My child is not invited. I think it was rude for my friend to ask me to attend without my child. I politely declined the invitation by saying I already had plans. However, this isn't the first time a situation like this has come up, and I would like to respond without making an excuse. What should I say next time? Wow. I need a moment. I have follow-up questions. I wish we could have... A full tea with this person. Yeah. A, our letter writer is very polite. Yes. And I think has, you don't have to be polite anymore. Well, before we get there, destination children's party? Unbelievable. Does that mean we're just like we're going to Chuck E. Cheese or are we going to St. Bart's? No, I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. <laughs> like the yeah, what's Science in Museum in Boston. Oh, okay. All right. That's <laughs> which cool. is equidistant. <laughs> between Chuck E. Cheese and St. Bart. Fair enough. Um, so the idea that you would ask someone to chaperone a child's birthday party where their child was not invited. I can't even take it. I want to show up on the block. And how do you flip some tables? Like, how do you do that with a straight face? Because they, you know, that's rude. It's so rude. You can't not know that's rude. There's not a world in which you're like, this is fine. Yeah. If I had to guess what that person is telling themselves in the he- their head, uh-huh. which I love to try to Please. do, even though we're not supposed to do that. Oh, bring it. That person is probably like, you know, my son doesn't want to invite their child or they didn't say boy or girl. They made it right. either. So doesn't get along with, doesn't want to invite their boy or girl, but... I want to keep uh, relations with the family. So I'll just invite the mom so they all don't feel left out. Oh. I mean, is that what the thought is? That's the best case scenario. That's the best. But even then, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there's no I don't there's no way to excise it. I don't even understand. I feel like this mom is well within her rights. Hey, it would be polite to say, hey, I can't go to something that my son's not or daughter's not invited to. Right. I think that's the response. Like, oh, I'm so sorry I can't chaperone. I can't leave my child who is not invited and go to this party. Imagine how my child would feel. Yeah. I think that's, you could even say more than that, but that's a fair and balanced. Yeah. And I guess one step more opaque, if you wanted to do that, would be like, oh, I'm so sorry I can't chaperone. I promised my child I would spend the day with him. And the implication is if my child were with me this day, I could chaperone, but my child is not coming because you've invited him. I think that you should clearly point out the difference of inviting someone when you didn't invite their child. Yeah. Because as a mother, that person should understand, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
of course she can't go when her kid's not invited. It's an insane thing that I just did. Yeah, although you aren't supposed to point out people's rudeness. No, but in that case, you're not. You're just saying, hey, I can't go to something where my kid's not invited. Yeah. You're not saying, I can't go to something that you invited me to that you didn't invite my child to. <laughs> right. You're saying, oh, I'm invited, my kid's not, I can't go. Yeah, that's it. But this is wild. Wild. Truly wild. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you want to be friends with like this family. Yeah, I feel like with their, it's like a close, you know, I think this happens a lot where it's a s- small yeah. area and everybody's in the same grade and yeah. yeah and also get along people just invite them to this destination birthday what's what's the there's big deal? enough room at the boston science museum for everybody right. or chuck e cheese or st bart's they're all big they're all big our next question we may need to take a breather after that <laughs> i'm so worked up yeah. this poor mom and her child yeah no it's wild i mean this is an etiquette i mean what's worse than a crime this is an etiquette this is a federal prison. This is federal. Yeah. <laughs> this this is, is not a- small claims court. No. No. This is federal. Yeah. And this is that place in like Colorado that like has no windows. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to tell the kid who didn't get invited, you're the person who's going to grow up to be the next, you know, Bill Gates. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You'll be fine. You didn't want to go to that party anyway. No. That party's garbage. Garbage. Garbage party. Although Science Museum is nice. <laughs> so our next question is, quote, is there a polite way? To eat Cheetos? It's a great, fun question. So I've actually never had a Cheeto. Never? Never. Yeah, it didn't come up in my macrobiotic vegan household. <laughs> Do you and, know why the, the question is? Yes. No, I have lived in the world. Okay. I, just I have been outside. <laughs> I have seen television. In your hand. I don't know. Yeah, and I've had other things that have a Cheeto-like quality. I've eaten Doritos. Okay. Which is sort of uh, going towards that world. Yes. On the path. I have never actually had a Cheeto, and I have learned a lot about Cheetos from Wikipedia based on this question. It would be amazing to watch you have your first Cheeto. I feel like that's a whole BuzzFeed thing that they do, people (laughs) eating new things for the first time. But I have learned that Cheetos have an official name for the dust on them. Oh, really? Yes. It's called Cheetle. Really? Like, oh, you've got some Cheetle on your shirt. Really? Like a Don Cheetle. Spelled similarly. Yeah. I wonder how Don feels about that. Um, I'm sure there's some trademark issues that their lawyers (laughs) are working out. Yeah. I see him at home like, oh, they're using it again. And one thing I thought was fascinating from my internet research was that there are strawberry Cheetos in Japan. Really? Which I don't know if that's terrifying or wonderful. Interesting. But strawberry Cheeto. Yeah. When I first moved here, one of the many, many jobs I had, you know, I was signed up with a catering company. Mm-hmm. And one of the jobs they sent us to a place where people made new versions of food and then they taste tested them and they decided what was going to move forward and what wasn't. Oh, I see. Like the new flavor of Pringle. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, we all tasted in the back. And I feel like there was a very spicy Cheeto there. Yeah. Well, I guess flaming hot. Now there's a flaming hot, but this was way before it came out. Oh, you're finger on the pulse. Yeah, finger on the pulse. So the question is, what is the polite way to eat Cheetos? So uh, you have had Cheetos. Oh yeah. And so, do you have thoughts on this? I do have thoughts. I just I said, is there a polite way? And I wrote, just don't throw them at people. I just (laughs) I feel like going in, people are going to know this is going to get on your fingers. I mean, on some level, Cheetos are inherently designed to do that. Yeah, that's part of the thing. Because you can have cheesy puffs that don't do this. Yeah. You're not going to not be able, you're going to have orange stuff on you. Right. Cheetle, if you're gonna, you will. You're going to be cheetled and mm-hmm. you got to have napkins ready. Okay. Napkins. Now, 
Does a napkin remove the Cheetle efficiently? You know, you may have to involve like a water. So are we involving finger bowls? A liquid, you could involve a finger bowl. Are we going to do finger bowls for this? Or you could hand sanitize, which I feel like loosens it, and then mm. you wipe it down. Okay. Obviously, that's something I have done. You have used like a Purell. <laughs> like a Purell to get it, and then you just, and then you napkin. Okay, interesting. I was thinking that the best way at my formal dinner party where I'm serving Cheetos as my uh, amuse-bouche, I guess. Oh, it'd be a great amuse-bouche. Is that I would serve it with chopsticks. Oh, wow. You know, that would be fun. Right? I mean, don't you think chopsticks like solves a lot of problems? It does, and I would absolutely, it would be so fun. Yeah. So I think you want to decant the Cheetos into a nice decorative bowl. You're decanting Cheetos. Yes. Of course. And then I think then, and everybody should have their own individual portion of the Cheeto. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think we have a communal bowl of Cheetos. I think you could just serve it to each little bowl. Right. And then everybody has chopsticks, and I think we want chopstick rests. I think that's nice. Yeah. And then I think we eat the Cheetos with chopsticks. This is lovely. Yeah. So this is for a sit down formal Cheeto. Correct. Yes. As opposed to a walking around a party. This is not a past uh, hors d'oeuvre Cheeto. Right. But I think if this was a past Cheeto, I think I would also serve with chopsticks. Okay. What about at a buffet? Cheetos at a buffet. Yeah. You know, you walk by and you grab some. Well, I think there would need to be tongs. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's tongs. And now I'm back at my table and I think we'd always come back to chopsticks. <laughs> I think a part of Cheetos, if it's not Nick's version, which I love, uh-huh. it really makes them more fun. Yeah. Is that- Well, it really takes it from desk to dinner. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is uh, the other side of the Cheeto experience uh-huh. is if you're in a couch spiral and you're at home alone uh-huh. and you're eating something that just highlights this, I'm not- Despair. Leaving. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's when you eat Cheetos. Oh, I see. You know, it's on your face. It's on your hands. Right. Right. You're like, I'm covered in Cheetos. It's physical manifestation of your internal state. Yeah, you're watching, you're on like the fifth season of Love Island. Okay. You know what I mean? It's dark. Yeah, you've hit the Cheetos. It's dark. It's, you wiped it on a shirt. I mean, that's a part of the Cheetos experience. Okay, well, I'm really missing out. <laughs> Christmas is coming, guys. Send Cheetos my way. Our next question. Oh, this is real controversial. A friend wants my recipe for my famous chocolate cake, and I don't want to give it to him. It's sort of my signature cake, and it's something I'm known for. How do I decline? This is not controversial at all. It's your cake. It's your signature recipe. Oh, we have very different opinions on this. You are not obligated. Mm -hmm. What you do is you put it on somebody else. I'm so delighted that you love it. I'd be happy to make it for you. This is a family recipe, and I'm not allowed to give it out. Not allowed. Because my family, it's just a family thing, and I would be shunned. Oh, I do not agree with that. A lot of people do agree with you, I will say. There are a lot of people who will take your position or they'll give the recipe and they'll sabotage it. See, that seems very passive aggressive. They'll like leave an an ingredient out or they'll change the amounts or they'll like change some technique. I think that's a fault. There are people that will be like, oh, there isn't a recipe. I just, you know, throw things together. I never even measure. I would just rather people be direct with me than be dishonest because they don't want to share. So this is going to sound like something you say. Okay. I don't see what the big deal is. Just give the recipe. This person doesn't want to though. Yeah, but like, what's the big deal? It's the There's big so deal many things that in my life that I don't want to do. Right. Half of my life is like things I don't want to do. I would give anybody a recipe. I don't, this is not my thing, but this person, it's their thing. Okay. And if you have a thing. Okay. But I think you should own it and say, this is my thing. So do you think that is a polite response? Which one? Just setting the boundary and be like, no, 
It's a I don't think the person family sh- secret. I don't think the Take person should have assumed that you would share. I actually this weekend asked somebody for a recipe mm-hmm. for, for these what? Unbelievable gluten free cookies. You don't even know they're gluten free. Okay. And I said, "Is this something you'd be willing to share?" Okay. And I would have been fine if they were like, "No, I'm going to market these and sell these." Okay. Because I'm asking them to share something that's maybe their thing. I mean, if there is a commercial aspect to this, that that changes the equation a little bit. Or also maybe this is like a community where people show up and they have competitive baking. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I don't sure. know what the backstory is mm-hmm. here. But if this is how you feel and you don't want to share, I just think you should be upfront about it. Not rude. Just be like, hey, this is like my secret cake. Mm-hmm. Happy to share other things with you, but not that. Of course you understand. Uh-huh. I don't love that. I know you don't. Yeah. But I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess... I would, I'm not saying, I'm just saying for this person. Yeah. You, I, 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 I hear that you don't want to be this person. You just want to accept that this person doesn't have to. No, I'm not saying I don't want to be this person. I'm just saying that this is not my thing. Right. You're happy to give any recipe. Right. I hear that you are happy to give any recipe anybody asks you for. Right. Leah Bonima, free recipes. I have three. You guys are all welcome to them. But I think a lot of times people actually ask for recipes and they are just being polite. They don't actually want the recipe. They're not actually going to make this thing. It's just like a thing people say. Like, oh my gosh, the frittata is so great. Can I get the recipe? I'm never going to make this frittata. Right. So ignore it. So you could just like, oh, of course. And then like, are they really going to follow up? Like, they're not going to follow up. Okay, say they follow up. What's next? I would turn it over because so much, especially cake, so much of cake is technique that like the way you do it is not going to be the same as the way I do it. We have different ovens. We have different pans. We're probably buying different butter, you know. We're just not going to have the same cake. And also, everybody knows this is my cake. So in our community of competitive bakers, they know that I had this cake first. So I would just give it. Okay. Hmm. We have differences of opinions. No, but I think we're also reading the question differently. She's saying, I'm not giving up the cake. Yeah, and I'm saying, I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Okay. (laughs) Our next question comes from Los Angeles. And our writer writes, I am at my wit's end. Which, you know... This is very exciting. Great start. So long story short... I wish we could have gotten the beginning of what this person's done before. Oh, for sure. I wish I could get a full list. So let me explain. This email came with like attachments and supporting materials. So this woman has a friend who goes rogue anytime she has a dinner party. So like, oh, the dinner party. And like, here's what we're doing for the dinner party. And this friend decides to just like go off script and is not apologetic about it. And so... Our writer in Los Angeles is going to have a fried chicken party, Mm -hmm. which you're not supposed to invite yourself to someone else's party. But like if I was going to break that rule, this sounds great. So if you are a guest at this party, you're supposed to bring a type of fried chicken, bring a Korean fried chicken, Southern fried chicken, popcorn chicken, whatever it is. You, the guest, are bringing a type of chicken. And our host, the letter writer, is doing all the sides and all the beverages. Awesome. So this rogue friend is like, great, I'm bringing roast chicken and sides. And it's like... No. Unbelievable. No, I, that's not what this is. And our letter writer makes it clear that this person has behaved this way in the past. This is not a first time. Yes. This is a pattern. Yes. And so the the question here is like, I want to explain that this is like not okay. What do I say? So. And you absolutely should. Yeah. You're doing this really wonderful, nice, fun thing. Yeah. They can not come if they can't follow the rules. So, but the question is, how do you say this? Right. Right. So they send a copy of the invitation. It is not unclear what is expected of guests. Oh, it's very clear. And it's very polite, very nice. I would totally attend this party. And there is a co-host on this invitation. Mm-hmm. So it's the letter writer and somebody else. 
So I think settled hands have clearly not worked with this person. I think you have a couple options. One is you can throw the other co-host under the bus. Yes. So it'd be like, well, I would love for you to bring roast chicken and sides, but Jasper is very adamant that it has to be fried chicken. I don't think you even have to say, I would love for you to. You can just say, this is Jasper's thing and Jasper's really into the fried chicken. Right, so it has to be fried chicken. You could also, if you wanted to kind of twist the knife a little bit, say something along the lines of like, I feel like when I hear you want to bring roast chicken, use like I statements. I feel that when you bring roast chicken, it makes me feel bad that I'm not hosting an event that would please you. <laughs> Is that too far? I feel... Is that too far? I, I mean, I get why... Something in that zone. It's a nice, nice knife twisty <laughs> one. I always like to give somebody a, oh, maybe you didn't understand. Uh, Even though I was perfectly clear, you leave that part out. Sure. You write back and you say, hey, oh, I think you misread the invitation. I'm doing the sides and we're inviting people to bring the fried chicken. Mm. If this doesn't work for you, no worries. We can invite you to another event. That's very nice. Yes. That, that may be the best answer. <laughs> Although I do like a nice... Uh, uh, I statement. I think b both of those work. It just depends on the tone you want to set. Right. So I think either way, I think we will achieve. You could send a first of, uh, oh, maybe you misunderstood. Mm -hmm. This is it. And then if that doesn't go through, you go with a, the knife twist. Okay. <laughs> that's your last resort. Yeah. That's when you're like, sorry, this doesn't work for your life. <laughs> right. Sorry, we've ruined it. <laughs> All right. Our next question is, quote, Last year, myself and four friends decided that we would make a bit of an effort to go out to cultural events. So far, this has included going to two plays. The first was enjoyed by all, but the second was terrible. In fact, it was so terrible that it really bonded us as a group. And after the second play, one member of our group, we're going to call him Chad, called dibs on choosing the next activity. Recently, I discovered that a musical I'm very keen on seeing is coming to our city. So I invited these friends, plus anybody else I thought would be interested in going. Almost immediately, someone from the smaller group responded with, quote, Chad called dibs. It seems to have shut down the conversation and no one else has responded to my invitation. So Chad called dibs six months ago and has made no attempt to organize anything and my invitation included people who aren't in this group. Is there a time limit when dibs can reasonably be considered expired? And should the dibs be considered valid when the invitation was extended outside the core group? Leah. I have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. First, let's explain, because we do have a lot of international listeners. Oh, that's a good idea. What dibs is, because I think this is a fairly American term. So dibs is basically when you claim something. Yep. Like, I claim... The front seat in the car. And that's usually the most popular use of dibs. Uh, yes. Although in America, we would use the alternative expression, shotgun. shotgun. <laughs> Which, you know where this comes from? No. Like, I think when there were stagecoaches uh, and horse-drawn stagecoaches and you were like transporting like gold, you know, you would have the person sitting in the passenger oh, seat with, with the shotgun, a shotgun while the other guy, you know, got the horses going. Oh, wow. I think getting the horses going is the technical equestrian term <laughs> for that. I'm going to get the horses going. You, you get, get the, the shotgun. shotgun. <laughs> so, so dibs is basically just you're, you're claiming something. Like I called dibs on the last cookie. I called dibs on the passenger seat in the car. I called dibs on the couch. Right. So that's dibs. My first reaction when I read this was like, Grow up, people. <laughs> I mean, how horrible that somebody wants to make an effort to plan a fun night out for everybody. 
I mean, that's my first reaction. Yeah, and we don't mean grow up the letter writer. We mean your friends. Your friends. Oh, the letter writer is lovely. Lovely. Making an effort, inviting people. You found something that you were excited about. Want other people to be excited about. Yeah, so our letter writer, totally in the clear here. Yeah, well, A, Chad is the worst. Also, Chad may just be... I don't, Chad didn't weigh in on this. Like Chad's taken too long, mm. but I think that Chad doesn't seem like Chad took this personally. No, it's the other friends that seem to feel that we have to respect the dibs system. I also think that that person probably just didn't want to go to that place. So they said something. Oh, you think that's what it is? If you honestly, six months out are like, hey, we have to go in order because someone called dibs. <laughs> I, I can't put that into a framework in my brain where that's a yeah. real thing that person thinks. Yeah, no, that's true. I think our letter writer could write back oh I didn't mean to go out of order Chad uh, this was just something I was excited about that I want to go to I've been I love this play I mean I don't even know how yeah, you can it's make a little this. mind-boggling yeah I think the idea of dibs I think does expire at some point though I don't think there's a fixed point in time when it does but it does feel like six months has now passed yeah because the idea here that we only do two cultural events a year is that what this new little group has decided at like six months is our, our, our duration. Right. Also, I think we need to establish the order in which we go. Like, I think we need to establish some ground rules for how this group works. Like, I, for a little while, I was part of a supper club where there were six of us. And every month or so, one of us was in charge of picking a restaurant. And there was an order in which we were going to do it, which we established. And we mapped it out for like six months. And we picked the date six months. Oh, advance. wow. And it was sort of like, well, I mean, you know me en- enough no, to know. Of course. Like, of course. You think we don't have our, <laughs> our 2025 plan all sorted out? Of course. But that's how we did it. It was like, oh, okay, I know that like you're doing February, you're doing March. And it was like set. Whereas this feels very nebulous, which is why maybe nothing is happening. Yeah. But also, Chad has lost the privilege. And I don't even think a person has to bring up, hey, it's been six months since we called dibs. I <laughs> right. mean, I think it, it could just be like, this is, oh, this is a thing I wanted to do. This is a bonus thing. Yeah. Right. But also. And then set up, I think what you're saying is a great idea. What's the schedule on this? Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to plan my life out. I uh, would love to make sure I'm available for these dates. Let's get it, uh, a shared Google Doc going. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I would say ignore the people who don't want to go. If they don't want to go, they want to go. So then just find other people to go with. Yeah. And just ignore these bad people. Yeah, you don't have to wait to go to something because Chad called dips. Definitely not. And also in general, I think if you wait on other people to do stuff, you'll never do anything. Yeah. Like, you know, I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I really want to go to Greece, but I don't have anybody to go with. Just go. Just go alone. Yeah. Just decide you want to go. If somebody can join, great. If not, otherwise, you're never going to leave the house. Yeah. So. And it's nice that he or she is inviting extra people. Yeah. We'll go. What's the play? Let us know. We're around. Absolutely. Yeah. So our next question is, quote, a friend of mine recently moved out of state, but before she left town, I took her out to lunch at a local restaurant to say goodbye. As I was driving her home, she asked me if I liked lentil soup. I told her that I haven't had it before because it never really appealed to me. She responded with, My friend's mom made me a huge batch of lentil soup that I've been keeping in my freezer for a few months. It's so good, but I won't be able to eat it before I move out, so I'm going to give you some. I really didn't want the soup, especially since I knew it was now months old. So I said, thank you, but I'm okay. I'm not a huge soup eater. She replied again, trust me, you'll love it, but you'll have to season it first so it's not bland. I gave up and I said, okay. She then asked me if I liked more things, ketchup, teriyaki sauce, 
miso soup. I told her, no, thank you, more definitively this time. She seemed to accept this until we got back to her apartment. She ran upstairs to get the lentil soup and returned with an enormous bag full of lentil soup and other used refrigerated items. I tried to politely tell her, thank you, but I don't know how to cook with these things and I don't want them to go to waste. But she insisted that she was, quote, saving me money and proceeded to text me recipes to use said ingredients. I went home and ended up throwing everything out because I have no idea how long they've been open and sitting in a refrigerator. All this to say, when moving out, please do not burden your friends with the contents of your fridge. My my back heart reading this. I just... <laughs> yeah. There is a real issue with people who can't hear no. Yeah. I think we all have this person in our life. I think we all know this lentil soup person. Yeah. Right? I really, I could picture this person in my life. I I know this person. Yeah. Unfortunately, you have to dig in on your nose with people like this. No, thank you. And then whenever you just, and it makes somebody, especially somebody like me who I hate saying no to people that I really like because I Mm -hmm. inherently want them to feel good. But then you just say your no and then that's it. Oh, but you were, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And then that's it. Yeah, but this is somebody who doesn't listen. And somebody who doesn't listen, they don't hear no. It does not fire any synapses in their brain. It doesn't compute. No means white noise. So when the stakes are low like this, it's lentil soup. I think we just take the lentil soup. Yeah, but now she didn't just take the lentil soup. Now she took a bag of this person's garbage. Fridge garbage this it just made me so angry and then this person texted them that i love recipes yeah so now this person has to invent a story (laughs) or be like are you kidding me i threw them out i told you i didn't want them it just if it was just the soup i would have been like just take it oh but it's a ketchup that puts you over the edge the teriyaki sauce Uh uh-huh and then the texting of recipes as if this person isn't able to find recipes on their own if they were interested in the teriyaki sauce. Fair. I'm saving you money. Oh, thank you so much. It just, for some reason, this one really, really grinded my gears. Yeah, no, I see that. I mean... This friend is treating this person like a child. Oh, you you get a little patronizing flavor from this? Let me tell you how to use condiments. (laughs) That's true. Here's how ketchup works. Yeah, that's exactly. If I got a text like that, I just, unfortunately, I would love to become the kind of person who, when they came downstairs with the condiments, Mm -hmm. I would love to be the kind of person who was like, I really can't take this. I appreciate it. I already have too much stuff. But no, I wish I was that person. But you're not that person. I'm not that person. I would take it. Right. And then I would get it to my house and then I would get so upset about it that I would eat a bag of candy corn and then aggressively watch all three Lord of the Rings to to calm down. Wow. That much rage over miso soup? Okay. Because it's not, it's when somebody doesn't listen to your boundaries. Yeah. No, it's upsetting. This is not the first time this happened with this friend. No. This friend has been doing it to this and she's like, finally, you're moving. And then she has to keep your miso soup. I mean, what I also love is that the lentil soup is bland. Yeah, she's like, also, the soup tastes bad. You're going to yeah. have to doctor it up. Am I taking right. your garbage? Yeah. But I do think the etiquette response here is just let it go. Take the lentil soup, throw it away. You probably won't see this person very often. That is the path of least resistance. 
she's leaving town. This is not when we set in boundaries. I feel like, you know, we just. I think you're probably right. But at the same uh, time. Yes. I mean, etiquette is not satisfying. The correct etiquette response is often not the satisfying response. But how rude is it that a person would give you garbage? Their garbage. Yeah. I've said to people when I was leaving places, because sometimes people need stuff. And I understand that. I've said, hey, I have stuff in my freezer. I'm going out of town for a while. Like pe- my neighbors that I get along with. Mm-hmm. Do you? And then if they're like, no, I'm like, of course. And, you know, and I only say to people that I'm close enough friends with. Because I would, if somebody was next door and they're like, hey, we have this huge thing of ketchup. We're moving. I'd be like, yeah, give me the ketchup. But yes, you're offering these things. This is a situation this, in which this we're person is putting not trash into your car. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't, this, this for some reason really just put me over. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear that. So uh, I don't know if we've come to any conclusion here, but I guess as a PSA, this is a PSA. Please don't do this. Don't do this to your friends. Or anyone. Or anybody. Right. I also think that Nick is absolutely right. The easy thing to do, if you didn't have a lot of backed up emotion about this, would be to just mm-hmm. take it and go back to your house and go, I got another bag of condiments <laughs> and lentil soup that needs to be doctored and just laugh about it. Yeah, I, I actually find this quite funny, so... I'm into it. And I think that would be the goal. But my guess is that there's some backed up feelings. Otherwise, they wouldn't have written the letter. Yeah, no, this is not the first time there's been some wayward condiments. It's true. So I just want to say to our letter writer, this person isn't listening to your boundaries. And if you continue this friendship with them, your nose are going to have to get louder. Fair. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Sure. So our next question. I'm sweating. So we got a question from somebody which says, I just saw this on social media. It's a photo of a woman who brought her own bell with her to a restaurant in order to get a service attention. Thoughts? Oh, I have thoughts. (laughs) So we'll post this photo up on our website so you can see in the show notes. But you can picture it. It's a woman seated at a table at a restaurant. And there's like a little metal bell that you might see at a concierge desk in an old school hotel in a Wes Anderson movie. That, that type of bell. So she brought one to a restaurant. I have like hot lightning waves going down my back oh, when I saw the, uh-huh. when you texted me the picture, I just, my hair on my neck a little tingle. started vibrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all agree this is rude. This is rude. You should not bring a bell to a restaurant, right? We agree on this. It's whatever is the next thing. You can't <laughs> right. treat people like that. You're going to ding your waitress? Or waiter? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's the question. Why is it so rude? What is it about this that is so rude? Like, what boxes is it checking? I mean, I guess it's patronizing. It's patronizing. It's also super disturbing to other diners. This is not just about, like, getting the waiter's attention. Like, if I'm at the next table and you're dinging a bell, I don't want that as a fellow diner. Yeah, this is, like, not your house in the 1940s where you're, like, (laughs) dinging... Uh, you're a butler to come fill your tea. You're in right. public and these are people working at a restaurant. Yeah, I, I guess it's rude. Yeah. So, okay, we have this woman. She's now in this restaurant. What do we say to her if we are the restaurant? I think if we are the restaurant, we send over the manager. Yes. Oh, this is definitely a job for a manager. And I guess we say, ma'am, uh, unfortunately, we don't allow outside bells here. We don't allow outside bells. <laughs> we say uh, you're disturbing other people. Yeah. If If she asks why. I mean, I feel like she's the type of person who would need to ask why, because to all of us, it's very clear that you don't do this in the first place. So I think the person that brings their own bell 
needs to have it explained to them why they can't do that. I mean, are her friends not mortified? There was another person at this table that she was dining with. If yeah, I went out with a friend alone. and they put a bell on the table, I'd be like, you you cannot do that. I, it, I would be I would be mortified. I would be mortified. Yeah. I mean, I I would yeah. I yeah, I would have to say something to my dining companion. Or if the waiter came over, I would have to give them a look, which was like I am so sorry. I I had nothing to do with this bell. I couldn't. This would be something where I'd have to be like, you can't ring the bell. Yeah, you can't ring the bell. (laughs) But interestingly, in many parts of Asia, there actually is a bell system at each table. Like I remember being in a restaurant in Seoul and you would push a little garage door opener button and it would signal to somewhere in the restaurant that you wanted service. And then a waiter would come over to your table. Right. but And it didn't ding audibly. You're not bringing in your own bell. It was not BYOB. That's true. (laughs) But I mean, I think I like the bell idea, you know, when you want service. Like, I I think that as a generalized concept, if it's sort of sanctioned by the restaurant, I like that. Oh, it's completely different if the restaurant has set it up. Yeah, that's true. It's it's the bringing your own, which is... It's like uh, bringing a whistle. Are you going to whistle at people when they walk by to get their attention? I mean... It happens. You've been on the street in New York City. Oh, I've also been a waitress and had people whistle at me. Oh, oh, that's so rude. It's so that's rude. It's so rude. Everybody should have to be a waiter for a year. What's more rude, snapping at you or whistling? I'm going to say snapping. Oh, you think a snap snap is more rude than a whistle? Yeah, because if you whistle, there's also a part of it that's just hilarious. Like, I'll be like, are you whistling? <laughs> okay. That will get me over the rude. I'll be like, oh, they're whistling. But if you just snap, I can't. Yeah. There's that's nothing true. to okay. even carry me over it. But we all agree, Bell is above snapping. Because you had to bring it in as a prop. Yeah, that's true. You had to take the effort to put it in your purse. You put yeah. it in your bag. <laughs> and now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I'm loving being part of the book of the month because I often stay within the genres I already know or the particular authors I already know. And they're introducing me to new authors, things I might not have known about. It's so exciting. So Leah, tell me about what book is coming. I'm receiving in the mail very soon, The Return of Ellie Black. Where did she go? We don't know. She disappeared for years earlier and then resurfaces in the woods of Washington State. And I can't (laughs) wait to know more. If it's a story set in the woods, you're there. It's really true. I want I want a cozy town or a woods. Or both. Or also take a city. You know, let's be honest. Okay. Yeah, as long <laughs> as there's murder or suspense, you're there. I like if there's some food. So you out there, you can get your first book for just $5 using promo code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com, use promo code PEDALS, and get your first book for just $5. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by... Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my books of the months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. (laughs) You know, love happens. And you out there, you're going (laughs) to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code 
PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And we're back, and it's our 100th episode, which would, of course, not be complete without playing a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent or Repent. Which is, of course, our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So, Leah... I did some statistical analysis to determine <laughs> how many vents and how many repents we've each had. The results may surprise you. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I have repented. You want to take a guess? Um, it's either three or four times. It is four times. Yes. And for you? Five times? So you have repented nine. Really? But... I you took want one back. to take one of them back. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe the official count then for you is eight. So for today, we went back and looked at all of our previous events and repents. And there's some good ones. I mean, there's some really good ones. I also was for one second, I thought, should I pick a repent? Because that seems no. You know, and then and then immediately I was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. So without further ado, here are our favorite events. Enjoy. I hope it's cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> was for us. Yes, it was for us. They, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Thank you for indulging us. Yes. It makes yes. us feel much better. We really appreciate it. It has to go somewhere. <laughs> I would like to discuss uh-huh. what is happening with people who walk up the middle of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good with there. We could just end it right there. Yeah. On top of that, uh-huh. often on their phones. Okay. Are you watching a video on stairs? <laughs> that, that feels dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. And they're in the middle. So people can't go around. I mean, this is happening to you all the time. This happens to me. Well, it happened yesterday with this woman where okay. I'm unbelievable, but I see it happen. Move to the side. Yeah. Get off your phone. What is happening in this world where we are walking up the middle of stairs? Wow. It's the end of civilization. And, and on your phone, can't you have two two seconds? Yeah. I can't. And is this when you're going upstairs or downstairs? Up. So you're behind this person. I'm always behind. Okay. I'm always behind these middle of stairs. And then people are cu- trying to come down the stairs. Mm. Have you no... Personal space. Sense of yeah. other people. Yeah. Because also when you're on your phone, because it's dangerous to be on your phone and moving, they're probably walking slower than they would ordinarily. So they're not only in the middle of the stairs, but they're actually at a pace that is lugubrious. Oh, they're, oh, they're always going slow. It's yeah. n- if you're a speed sprinter going up the middle of the stairs, doesn't matter. Right. But it's never the speed sprinters. Yeah. So do we secretly hope that they trip and hurt themselves? No, I don't think that way no. about people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Leah's secretly nodding <laughs> aggressively. I just want them to stop doing it. And what I want to do is yell, you're going first in the apocalypse, which I've said before. Uh-huh. It's really what I believe. But I feel rude doing that. I feel like if I address it, I become the rude person. Well, I would say, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I sneak by you? Oh, I do say that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have 45 minutes <laughs> to get somewhere that should take me five minutes. Yeah. But why are they doing it? It feels short-sighted. And then some people look at you like, oh my God, I can't believe you need to move up these stairs at a regular human fashion <laughs> while I'm watching the television show Friends. I saw a person walking through Times Square, mm-hmm. which is, for those of you at home, the Times Square subway station is packed. Yeah. All, most of the subway stop there, it's busy. They had a cell phone on a necklace oh. that had a holder. So they were watching. Oh, so like hands-free. Hands-free. 
watching a show oh. on their phone in front of them while they walked through the subway station. To have specialized Mm-mm. equipment attached to your body, which enables you to watch video on your phone hands-free in public. While you're walking in while one of the you're... busiest places in the entire world. Wow. Have you no common decency? Wow. And it was a sitcom. It wasn't like this person. I mean, does that make a difference? It did. It did to me because I always, you know me, I'm like, maybe it's like a, a thing maybe that you're helps watching them. C, you're watching C-SPAN. Or maybe it's a thing that helps them see in some way. No, it was a, they were watching television shows. Mm. I got in close enough so I could judge them without feeling bad mm-hmm. to make sure that I was accurate at what I was seeing. So for me, I would like to vent. Please. And this happened not necessarily recently, but it happened and it's always bothered me. And because this is a safe space, I wanted to share. Okay. So I'm in San Francisco. I'm dining with a good friend. And I've been arguably one of San Francisco's finest restaurants. I'm wearing a suit. There's linen. This is the type of place that has a butter program. Oh, I don't even know what that is. They have programmed their butter. They have different butter options. There's a discussion about butter when they bring it to the table. Oh, wow. This is where we're dining. Okay. So nice restaurant. So uh, we have order. We're chit-chatting. And now the first course arrives. Wonderful. So they bring me my plate. And it was sort of like a, a lobster salad-y thing. And a restaurant like this would typically have all of the plates arrive at exactly the same time. But there was some delay or something. So my dish arrives. And I'm waiting for the uh, other dish to arrive before I start eating. Because we don't start eating until everyone's served. Obviously, we know this. So I'm just waiting for this. And it's like probably 20 seconds or so. And I can survive 20 seconds, you know, to wait for this person. So I'm waiting patiently. And the waiter leans over to me and whispers in my ear to tell me a secret that he doesn't want anybody else to hear because he doesn't want to embarrass me. And he leans in and he says, you start with this fork. And he takes his index finger and he taps the table next to the fork up and down, indicating which fork I'm supposed to use. No. Because he thought I was waiting because I was paralyzed not knowing what fork I was supposed to use. Can you imagine? I can't even close my mouth right now. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I mean... What did you say? Uh, well, first, it takes a little while to process well, this information. You're in shock. You're in shock. You're in I'm shock. still in shock. Um, the feelings that this brings up inside of me I feel is like you still... should call them now. You know what? You I know thought what? about it. Yeah. And here's what I'll say. <laughs> I mean, I was wearing a suit. I looked like I have eaten in restaurants before. I'm Nick Layton, host of <laughs> Were You Raised By? Like, I just, like, I know the fork situation here. And to think he was being so helpful, whispering what fork I should be using. What? 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 I, I wish you had a card with you. So I want, for the record, to let everybody know that I do know what fork to use. And I think we don't correct diners. Yeah. Even if I didn't know what fork to use, I don't want to be corrected. (laughs) Everything about this was awkward and horrible. It should never have happened. What did your friend say? Well, because this was a quiet whisper designed to not embarrass me. I know, but I mean, everybody (laughs) sees somebody whispering. I mean, obviously I told her what happened and she was also just in shock. Yeah. So yeah, there is nothing to say. There is nothing to say. You start with this fork. Yeah. So I know now. I was going to eat it with the knife. I was going to use my hands. Oh. Or I was I was just not going to eat until someone gonna, told me. I was just going to put my face into the plate. <laughs> or where does the food go? 
Where do I put it? I don't know. <laughs> so. Oh, no. That's my vent. You of all people to do that to. Me of all people. What have we learned? You know what I learned? I mean, I've learned many things. Sure. But what I learned, one of the things that's one of my big takeaways from this whole Were You Raised by Wolves wonderful adventure that we're on together. Yeah. Is from all the letters we get, that's sort of something that's very emotionally supportive or makes me feel about how much so many people like myself worry that they handled a situation correctly. Yes, you are not alone. So it's sort of just like, oh, we're 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 in this together. Yes. Because sometimes I go home and I'm like, am I the only person who's like worrying so much about how a situation was supposed to go? And you're like, oh, we're all, a lot of us are doing this. Yes. I mean, society is inherently about us all being in this together. That <laughs> is society. That's the whole point. And etiquette exists to help make all of that work better. Yes, you cracked the code. That's what it is. <laughs> And I learned a lot of things. The first thing I learned is that people are actually interested in hearing us talk about these things. Like when we started, this was not a given. I did not know if that was going to be the case, that anybody was interested. So I am delighted to have learned that actually people are actually kind of interested in this. So that was number one. The second thing I learned is that people really do generally want to do the right thing. That everyone's sort of default setting is to do the right thing. Nobody's out there actively trying to do the wrong thing. Now, we don't always know what the right thing is, but we all want to do that, whatever that is. And I really learned that I think there's an inherent goodness in everybody. And it's really nice to be reminded of that every week. So I really have learned that and I really appreciate that. So thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to you out there for listening. If I had your address, send you a handwritten note on my custom stationery. He definitely would. I would for now, until we get too popular, in which case we're going to have to rethink this. Just warning everybody now, may not be able to write all these notes. Just putting it out there. Then Nick's going to default to what the rest of us has been doing, which is a lovely text message with a photo (laughs) of us waving. I don't know. It's a real (laughs) etiquette conundrum. Like, what do you do? Because I want to be able to do that. But like, if we get too many uh, requests, like, what do I do? I don't know. I'll figure it out. But in the meantime, for your homework this week, I want you just to celebrate with us. This is a great milestone. We're really proud of it. And we are so happy for you to be on the journey with us. So whatever celebration means to you, do that. People at home can't see I'm smiling so hard. Just big grins. Just so (laughs) delighted. A hundred episodes. And as you said, Nick, we had no idea when we started off. We had no idea. So thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do. But I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Although maybe there'll be a little slack today. Ready, (laughs) set, go. I love that I forced this on Nick. So I think (laughs) for our 100th episode, Cordial of Kindness, Mm -hmm. I just want to do a big thank you to our amazing, amazing Were You Raised by Wolves audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we exist because of you. And so, yeah, that's a good one. And for me, I would like to give a huge shout out to you, Leah. No! Because when this all began, I basically said to you like, oh, Leah, it's going to be a show about etiquette. And that's kind of all I really knew at the time. And you're like, okay, 
And so it's like, oh, oh, okay, great. So you just took a leap of faith that this was worth your time and effort. And uh, turns out it's also been a blast. So I really appreciate you having faith in me and took a chance. And uh, I really appreciate it. Now I'm going to get emotional. Nick. (laughs) Well. Honored to take a leap of faith with you. Delighted to be leaped with. And before you start crying, let's get the bell. So sweet. Now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV streams world-class mysteries, dramas, and comedies from around the world. So Leah, I am looking for a series about an amateur detective. I don't want professionals. What do you got? I'm glad you asked, Nick. Because <laughs> as we know at home, I'm obsessed with mysteries. We have the professional detectives. Then we have the amateurs that obviously have a gift and they maneuver their way in there. And Acorn TV has a lot of choices for you. You could go with Madame Blanc. Right. Because she's an antique dealer and uses that knowledge <laughs> to solve crimes. I mean, it's great knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Agatha Raisin, which I have discussed multiple times. She was a PR person. Very confident mm-hmm. woman. Wears the wrong shoes to every occasion, which I love. And we we also have Harry Wilde. Yes, Jane Seymour. And I enjoy all of those shows very much. So you out there, sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. So Leah, what show do you want to talk about today? Very exciting new season of Harry Wilde dropping this week. Oh, Harry Wilde is great. So Harry Wilde is Harriet Wilde, played by Jane Seymour. And she just retired and she gets mugged. And so she's recovering in her son's home. And lucky for us, her son is a police detective. Isn't that convenient? She gleans a clue about one of his current cases. Mm-hmm. He is like, I got it, ma. Stay out of it, Ma. And she's like, nope. And so she sets out to solve it herself with a very unlikely sidekick. Very unlikely sidekick. And I'm not giving it away this time because I felt like I did in the Modern Blog Mysteries. So now I'm zipping my lips. (laughs) You got to get in there and watch it yourself. So check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. 